الله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد My dear respected brothers and sisters السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته It's really nice to see such a big crowd for the sake of the Day of Judgment. Inshallah, may Allah give us the tawfiq to translate this into real practice so that inshallah we can show this fervor when we die. <clears throat> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ Those who believe they are they, are, they have great strength in their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are very avid in their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, most of the attendants that I see here uh, seem to be less than 40 years of age. Unless you look lot, a lot younger than you are. Which is a good thing, because we still have some time. What I speak about here is that Ulama have mentioned that a person, when they, they've given some milestones, uh, they, they say that when a person reaches the age of 40, and if their good has not overcome their bad, then it's a sad case, essentially. Because 40 is the age where a person mentally matures. 40 years of life is sufficient for a person to track out their ways. You see, because when you're young, when you're young, when you're, when you're in the age of youth, which Ibn al-Jawzi says is from the time you become mature, physically mature, 12, 13, until you're about 33 years of age. So that's a good length of youth, isn't it? And youth has been considered to be a degree of insanity. And the reason for that is because uh, that's when people normally discover uh, their abilities, they discover their potential and they want to follow that potential. They want to pursue their, their so-called desires now. They are going to now start questioning many things that they see around them. They're no longer just going to be just followers of orders as such. They are going to think independently as such. Right? You know what I mean, right? You can say yes, it's okay. Um, so, when a person goes through this stage and passes this stage. I mean, uh, if we take 33 as the, as the end of youth, that's a long time. By that time, we must have made up of our mind. Because normally in the age of youth, if somebody is able to protect their youth and uh, do, do something that, uh, that sets the course right of their life, then it's smooth sailing. That's why there's such a great reward for those who are good in their youth, that are attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their youth. They're one of the seven that will be in the shade on the day of judgment. However, once we reach the age of 40, and if the good has not overcome the bad, then there's a great warning about that. And the reason is that it's very difficult to change after. Not that it's impossible, there's nothing impossible in this, alhamdulillah. When it comes to changing, the hadith makes it very clear that a person could be all their life doing evil and at the last moment when there's literally a small distance between him and the hellfire, that a person changes for the good. And, but then there is the flip side of this as well. 
where it said that there's a person who's good throughout their life, but then there's a small amount of time left between him, or small distance, a hand span, essentially that's what the hadith mentions, and the person turns bad. That could also happen. But the good thing is that the ulama have mentioned from observation and experience that it's normally a turn from evil to good, than the good to evil. The reason is that good calls to more good, and evil is something that can overcome a per, uh, that, that, can, that can be subdued once a person gets older and starts thinking and reflecting. But the age of 40 is the age of maturity of good or bad as well. So if a person hasn't been able to rectify themselves by the age of 40, then there's a big warning about that. And the reason for that is that after the age of 40, it's very difficult to change. It's more difficult to change. It's not impossible, but it's more difficult to change. So the other thing though is that if we're listening to this and we're thinking, I've got another 10 years to go. I'm 30 right now. Or those who are younger say, I've got 15 years to go. I've got 20 years to go. Believe me, don't rely on that. Time flies for one thing. Number two, what we do essentially calls to the same kind of action. So if we're involved in just having a good time, then we'll just want to have more good time. Because the ways that in which we're having a good time right now will only become boring eventually. And we'll find other ways, more extreme ways. See a person who goes and, you know, he does some weird things with cars, eventually they're going to start doing even more weirder things. Because eventually it kind of gets boring, doesn't it? Right? Just doing the little wheel spin here and there. Right? Or just driving at a hundred, for example. It gets a bit boring. So people want to do more than that. Right? So when we get to the... If, if you're thinking that oh, I've got 10 years left, believe me, from experience, don't, don't relate to that. We want to set the course right. It's like if anybody's played golf, where you hit the ball is very, very important. If you hit it just a millimeter or two off the center, the distance that the distance of change, the distance uh, uh, of uh, difference, where it will land will be a lot more than just two millimeters. That will be magnified where it hits, and essentially the same thing is with our lives. Umar radiyallahu an used to ask Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiyallahu an over and over again, "What is it?" Do you know anything about me that the Prophet ﷺ has told you that I need to be concerned about? And the reason for this is that he held the, he held the secrets of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ told him many things which he had not told anybody else. The names of the hypocrites of the time. People who didn't really believe inside but exposed their Islam only outside, only outwardly. Umar was concerned all the way through. That am I one of those? Am I one of those that might change towards the end from the good to the bad and he was so concerned that's umar radiallahu an despite all of the great achievements of his life and so on this is his thought process it's very important there's a poet uh, there's there's a poem which says that when a person is written as fortunate in the hereafter as one of the successful ones in the hereafter then it doesn't matter how they spend their life they will end up being like that and if there's a person who's written as being unfortunate and wretched in the hereafter, that is how they will eventually become Eve, despite whoever nurtures them and brings them up. So he says, فَمُوسَ الَّذِي رَبَّاهُ فِرْعَوْنُ مُرْسَلُ وَمُوسَ الَّذِي رَبَّاهُ وَمُوسَ الَّذِي رَبَّاهُ جِبْرِيلُ كَافِرُ The Mufassirin mention 
that Samiri, if you've heard of Samiri who's mentioned in the Quran, who's the one who misled the Qawm of Musa, the people of Musa salam, when he had gone to with, uh, for his meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Samiri was the one who misled them and caused them to start worshipping the calf, the golden calf. He took, he took everything and he, he made a calf and, uh, and he, he got them to start worshipping it. Apparently what the Mufassirin mention about him is that he was a survivor. He was a survivor on a shipwreck with uh, and his mother and everybody had passed away. He had rolled up onto an island and Jibreel for some reason, the angel, had decided to take care of him. And the, 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 the Mufassirin, they mention all sorts of ways of uh, how he used to feed him and so on. And he was brought up by Jibreel initially before he went and joined the community. But he then became to be a big kafir and a mushrik, a polytheist, despite being brought up by an angel. On the other hand, you had Musa salam. the story is famous. He was picked up by, the, uh, by Pharaoh and his wife. They brought him up. So the biggest kafir, who used to call himself God, right, in the world at the time, Pharaoh, who used to enslave people, brings up Musa salam, turn, and he turns out to be a prophet. Because the decree takes over. The ending takes over. And this leads us to two concepts which are very important. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be successful with the positive one. That's Su'ul Khatima and Husnul Khatima. Husnul Khatima is the good sealing state. The ending state which is good and pleasant for a person. And the evil sealing state is the Su'ul Khatima. Where we're about to die. The angel is there. The soul is coming out. And we cannot say La ilaha illallah. That is an evil sealing state, brothers and sisters. That is what you call the evil sealing state. Actions are according to their endings. Actions are according to their endings. Regardless of how a person has lived their life, if the last point is where you cannot say the kalima, Fudail ibn Iyad, one of the great ascetics of the past, he says that he was once, he relates that he was once invited quickly, in, uh, very uh, urgently to a a student of his house. The family is inviting him and saying that you need to come quickly because your student is on the last, uh, the, the last few minutes of his life. But as much as we try, he will not say la ilaha illallah. This is a man who was becoming a scholar. This is a man who was studying the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Studying under none other than Fudail ibn Iyad, Abid al-Haramain, as Abdullah ibn Barak says, Ya Abid al-Haramayni law absartana la'alimta annaka bil'ibadati tal'abu. The famous, famous poem about him. He was considered the worshipper of the two harams, the two, sanct the two sanctuaries. His student is unable to say la ilaha illallah. Despite Fudail ibn Iyad coming there and trying to tell him and so on, he refused. Eventually, this is what he said. He says, Ana, he says I am a disbeliever in what you are telling me. Not only did he go silently, that he just refused to read it. That's one thing. But to say that I disbelieve in what you're telling me to read. I disbelieve in the kalima la ilaha illallah. That's what he said. Upon making inquiry later, there were two things that were discovered about this person. One is that this person had two problems. He had a lot of jealousy, envy. And number two, he had a certain kind of illness. And for that, he used to take small amounts of liquor. Small amounts of wine or something, which is supposed to be uh, cure it or something of that nature. These two things, subhanAllah, lead to a bad ending. Lead to a bad ending. Ulama have discussed this issue. 
And here, inshallah, we will provide some detail of these issues that normally prevent somebody from gaining the kalima la ilaha illallah on their deathbed, despite, despite whatever they do in their life. One is neglecting salat. Now, I'm not just going on about it, right? You know, every speaker talks about salat, but believe me, brothers and sisters, it's not something that we can take lightly. That's the fact. Salats need to be done. And if they are missed for whatever reason, then they need to be repeated. They need to be made up. Salat is one of the biggest things. It says that an, uh, an abandonment of the prayer leads to this. Because essentially there are some narrations which say that the dis difference between Iman and Kufr is abandonment of Salat. Subhanallah. That's one thing. Number two is neglect zakat payments. The young guys need to think about this. Not, zakat is not just for the old men and old women. It's actually for the young of us as well who have the nisab, which may be five, six hundred pounds, if that's how much you owe. Uh, I mean, I don't have the time to go into the laws of zakat. But if that is how much you've retained uh, from the beginning of the year to the end, about four, five hundred pounds, you may have to be giving zakat. 2.5% of that. So think about it. Do consult your ulama as Ramadan is coming up. Cheating, when you give measure, giving people less measure, when you weigh stuff. I mean, most of us may not be involved in that, but if you give less measure than you are promising people. They think they're getting a pound of something or a kilo of something, and uh, mishti, you know, jilafi, and uh, you're getting less than that. You guys like jilafi, right? Yeah. Jalebi, jalebi, yeah. We're in Whitechapel, so we have to say jilafi. Defrauding others, this is what we're speaking about. And one of the big things that they speak about is intoxicants. A person who, is in, who takes intoxicants, that means wine and drugs, because they're all intoxicants. That person will be in an intoxicated state when they die. Now think about it. The whole point of this, uh, this thing is that at death, when you're in a critical moment, what do you say? What do people say when they sleep talk? What do people say when they initially are woken up all of a sudden? What do people say when, there's a, uh, when they're frightened? Who do they call out to? We normally call out to things. Now, just, just imagine this thing. If we're cut off by somebody when we're driving, what comes out of our mouth? Right? F off or I don't know, whatever it is. Right? That's not a bad word, but the whole thing is a bad word. So, no, that's a bad word as well. So don't say to anybody, F off as well. Sorry, yeah. And please don't laugh too much. It's not supposed to be a comedy. It's supposed to be about the Day of Judgment. SubhanAllah. Right. Anyway, um, that, that, th this is critical. Because at the end of the day, when we're about to die, what's going to happen to us? What are we going to say when you're frightened? When somebody's just cut you up? Somebody's just done something to you? It's something to think about what is it that we would say. Would we say, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Or will we swear? That's very important to understand that. It's really important to think about that. Believe me, we can take it lightly today. But seriously, by the age of 40, we want our good to overcome the bad. People can change. And that's the great thing about our Islam. 
people can change and they can change in a minute but you have to have the desire to change and that's what's important to have the desire to change there's a it's related by ibn rajab al ibn qudama al maqdisi in his kitab al tawabin humble scholar that Yusuf ibn al-Husayn says that I was once with Dhunun al-Misri, Dhunun the Egyptian. He was a very pious ascetic uh, of that time. He says that we were at the edge of a lake. We were at the edge of a lake. And suddenly what I noticed, I noticed this really large scorpion. I noticed a very large scorpion, that the, the largest one I'd ever seen. It was at the bank of the lake. It was just at the, uh, at the edge, as though it's waiting for the next ride. Literally, it just seemed like that. Suddenly, a turtle comes along. Turtle swims up. This, this scorpion gets onto the turtle's back in the water. As, as mythical as this sounds, I mean, this is, uh, uh, th this is a narration from them. It gets onto the back of the turtle, and this turtle takes it across to the other side. As soon as it gets to the other side, the Nunul Misri is reporting that this scorpion was on a mission. In the Lihad al Aqrabi Lashatnan, it was on a mission. It knew what it was doing. It wasn't just idly walking around. It carried on, and so the uh, uh, Misri said to his companion, quickly, we need to watch what's going on because this is extraordinary. So he, he, they carried on uh, following it, and it seemed to know exactly where it was going. Suddenly, in the distance, they noticed that there is a, uh, a drunken, uh, drunken young guy uh, sleeping, probably, you know, sleeping it out, uh, sleeping, uh, sleeping it off as such. And as the scorpion is going in its direction, it notices that a snake is slithering towards it, comes onto uh, this man's stomach, onto the, uh, from, from the navel area, and starts climbing up. It was supposedly going towards the ear for some reason. As soon as the scorpion reaches there, you'd think that both of them are going to attack. They're competing for the attack. No. The scorpion goes after the snake and attacks the snake, and the snake dies and falls off. And the scorpion goes back, and the turtle comes back, it gets on its back, it crosses it over, and it goes to the other side. Dhunun al-Misi is absolutely taken aback, dumbfounded, astonished. He wakes this guy up. Ya fata, oh young guy, unzur mimma najak Allah. Look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has just protected you from. This guy just suddenly wakes up, he looks around, what's going on? Right? He sees the snake lying on its side. And then the noon explains, look at that scorpion that's going across. That saved your life. This was the turning point for this young guy. He just needed that wake-up call. This was the turning point. The noon began to say to him, Ya ghulaman wal jalilu yahrusuhu. Sorry, Ya ghafilan wal jalilu yahrusuhu. Min kulli su'in yadubbu. في الظلم كيف تنام العيون عن ملك تأتيه منه فوائد النعم تأتي منه فوائد النعم he addresses him he says oh heedless one oh heedless one while the most majestic one is protecting him from every evil that 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 crawls on that crawls in the darkness how can the eyes sleep how can the eyes sleep in heedlessness from this sovereign king from whom comes the greatest of these 
bountiful benefits. This young guy just suddenly woke up. He suddenly came out of his stupor. He snapped out of it. He said, Ilahi, hadha fi'luka biman asak, fakayfa rifquka biman yuti'uk. This is what you do with someone who is disobedient. This is the way you deal with somebody who is disobedient. How is your dealing with those who are obedient to you? I asked him, where are you going? The Nunul Misri says, I asked him, where are you going? He says, Il al-Badiyah. I'm going to the jungles. I'm going away from the towns. I will never return to the towns. That's where all the fitna is for me. So I'm returning to the towns. I'm not returning to the towns. This is not, what, we're not saying that this is the answer to everything. But sometimes that may be the answer. But we have to learn to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be obedient to Him while we are living within the community. It can happen. This is how a single person was saved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us. We need to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks after us. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to seize us and take us to account for the small, the small or large wrong things that we do, can you imagine where we would be today? If everything was written on our doors as to what we did, if there was an announcement made and everybody could see the wrongs that we did, this big list of things behind us, can you imagine? Where would be the greatest, one of the greatest bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that He conceals us so that we can go and show our face to somebody else and they do not consider us too despicable. Subhanallah. There's a, another story of Harith al-Awlasi, great pious individual of the past. He wasn't always pious though. He relates, again, Ibn Qudama al-Maqdisi relates this. He, re he asks one of, he told one of his students one day, he says, Do you know that how I became like this? And he said, no, I don't. He said, I was a young man who used to enjoy himself, who used to just take time and do whatever he wanted. I wasn't, I wasn't into religion or anything of that nature. I used to just enjoy myself. One day I was in this state of heedlessness. I was just walking around. He guess he didn't have an he didn't have a um, he didn't have a, an iPhone. You know he didn't he didn't have a, a Twitter or whatever. So that you know talking to your friends even while you're walking, right? I'm I'm walking uh, on Whitechapel Road right now. So what? You know. So he's just walking around doing aimlessly. I guess you guys have, I mean, I guess people have things to do now. They can Twitter, you know, while they're walking. Anyway, he says, as I was walking around, I saw this, oh, uh, I saw this really uh, disabled kind of person that was lying on the side of the road. A disabled kind of person lying on the side of the road. Uh, he seemed to be very ill and kind of suffering. So uh, for some reason, I mean, these guys, they don't care for anybody, do they? they, they the people like that, they're very selfish. It's just about them, how they look. You know, they're worried that if they go and touch that person, you know, they might get a speck on their clothing, they might not look good enough, or their jeans might be pulled up or pulled down a bit more, right? Or something of that nature. He says, for some reason, I went to him and I said, uh, and do you want anything? He said, do, do you want anything? Do you need anything? Is there something I can get for you? So the person asked him, strangely enough, for a pomegranate, for a rumman, a pomegranate. So I went, he says, I went and I found a pomegranate. Right? Just imagine on the street you found somebody asking you for a pomegranate or for, a, you know, for an orange juice or something because he's, got, you know, uh, he, he's uh, suffering from low blood sugar because of diabetes or something. You go to the local shop, you find some orange juice, you, know, you go back to the person. Okay, sure. I put it in front of him and he looked up at me. 
he looked up at me and he said, Tab Allahu alayk. The dua that came out of his mouth was Tab Allahu alayk. May Allah forgive you. May Allah accept your tawbah. I'd never thought of making tawbah. That's what he says. I never thought of repenting. But the dua the person made for me is Tab Allahu alayk, which means may Allah accept your tawbah, which means you have to make tawbah first. It, he says, it wasn't even nightfall yet. That same day before nightfall came, before Maghrib time came, my heart had changed. My heart had changed. And everything in it that I had of just enjoying myself and just going, beyond, going after frivolous activities and just these pleasures and, and so on, all of that disappeared from my heart. No longer did that appeal to me. And khawf and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala entered into my heart. I, I got rid of everything that I had that was to do with enjoyment and amusement. And I went out to go for Hajj. I went out to go for Hajj. I used to walk during the night. Look at this person. Look how solid his intention was. He says, I used to travel at night because in the daytime if I, uh, there was too much fitna. And I could relapse. So to protect myself, I used to sleep during the day and hide during the day. And I used to travel during the night. I mean, nowadays you can't even travel during the night. As I was traveling one day, one of those days, as I was going towards the haram, I was at night time, there was suddenly a group of people on the side. When they saw me, they called me and made me sit down next to them. They gave me some drink and some, some food. And I said to them, I need to relieve myself. Can you take me to a place to relieve myself? So they got this young person to take me to, to a clearing. You know, those days there's probably no cubicles or public bathrooms. So took me. So when I was at a distance from them and there was this young person with me, I said to him, can you just kind of turn around and go a distance so I can relieve myself? You know, I need some privacy. So he turned away and I disappeared. I ran into the jungle. I just didn't want to be, go back into that place. So I ran into the jungle. I got into the jungle, and there suddenly I am confronted by a wild beast. I'm confronted by a wild beast. And I'm saying, if I go back, there's that fitna. If I go here, there's danger. What should I do? He made a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahumma innaka ta'lamu ma taraktu. Allahumma innaka ta'lamu ma taraktu. Wa min madha kharajtu. Oh Allah, you know very well what I have abandoned. You know very well what I have just come out from. فَصْرِفْ anni Remove the evil of this wild animal from me. As soon as he made that dua, the animal just turned around and disappeared. I went back onto my path and I got to Makkah Mukarramah. And that's where he got there and he began to study among the scholars. Total change of life. Do not think it's beyond Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ramadan is coming. Ibn Qudama relates another story. Which is the final story we'll finish with this one. <clears throat> In Medina Munawwara, I'm sure many of us can relate to this. In Medina Munawwara, there was a woman, very pious woman. Have we got moms that tell us off? Right, don't do this, don't do that, change, you know, become like this, become like that. So there was a really pious woman and she had a son who used to just enjoy himself. He wasn't into the masjid, he, was in, he wasn't into the salat 
and uh, he wasn't into worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He used to just go and enjoy himself. In fact, he was considered to be the, the biggest playboy of Medina Munawwara at the time. He was literally considered to be the biggest playboy of Medina Munawwara of the time. She used to continue to, uh, she used to, continue to advise him and counsel him and say, Ya Bunayya, Udhkur Masari al-Ghafileen qablak wa'awaqib al-Battaleen qablak Udhkur Nuzul al-Mawt She used to say, just think of the stories of those people who were evil before you, what happened to them. All those th people who thought they were bold and great and so on, what was their consequence? Think about the, the, the descent of your death soon. And he used to say to her, when she used to persist on him, and he used to kind of get tired of listening to her, he used to say, politely, he used to say to her, he used to say, O oh mother, refrain from telling me off and censoring me continuously. Wake up from the slumber of your sleep. Even though I have sent my heart behind my desires, even though I've been allowing my heart to go behind my desires and have disobeyed you in your counseling me, I've constantly disobeyed you despite your advice. I hope of His grace. This is what you have to realize. I hope of His grace for repentance and for transforming a person from one type of a person to another person. Despite the fact that he was enjoying himself and he was doing all of that, he had iman in his heart. And he knew that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would help him. That is very important. Do not ever be so despondent and depressed that this is my life. Allah will never do something for me. Keep a window open to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it will make a difference. This is the poetry that he used to read to him. They read to his mother. One day, after Taraweeh had finished, Ramadan time, people suddenly gathered around and... A visitor had come to Medina Munawwara. He was the great preacher Abu Amir al-Bunani, very famous individual. He was considered the preacher of Hijaz, the western border of Arabia, Makkah, Medina and everywhere. So when he came in Ramadan, people asked him that if he could sit after Taraweeh prayer like we do nowadays and give a lecture, give, give some advice. So he agreed to do that in the masjid of Rasulullah sallallahu in masjid, in masjid al-Nabawi. So it was a Jumu'ah, it was a night of Jumu'ah. Taraweeh had finished, people had gathered around Abu Amir al-Bunani and this young man came along. He sat down with this group of people. This is the first time he sat in that gathering. There may be people here, brothers and sisters, who may be the first time that they're sitting along, their friend has pulled them and made them come. They've always made excuses, but today they've come along. This may be your day. And those who always come, inshallah, this is all our day as well. Right? We're all in the same boat. We all want to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That day he sat down. Abu Amir was a very powerful preacher. He continued to, to warn them and to relate uh, heart-rendering, softening stories to them. Until the hearts were totally overtaken by him. And people became extremely desiring of Jannah. He created this desire of Jannah in their hearts. And for this young man, this nasiha and advice, it found a place in his heart. His color changed. He got up and he went to his mother. And he began to weep in front of his mother. 
For a very long time, he continued to weep in front of his mother. She's wondering what's happening to him. And he said, again, it was, a, it was poetic. He said, زَمَمْتُ لِلتَّوْبَةِ أَجْمَالِي وَرُحْتُ قَدْ طَاوَعَتْ عُذَّالِي وَأُبْتُ وَالتَّوْبَةُ قَدْ فَتَحَتْ مِنْ كُلِّ عُضْوٍ لِي أَقْفَالِي لَمَّا حَدَ الْحَادِي بِقَلْبِي إِلَى طَاعَةِ رَبِّي فَكَّ أَغْلَالِي أَحْبَبْتُ أَجَبْتُهُ لَبَّيْكَ مِنْ مُوْقِذٍ نَبَّحَ بِالتَّذْكَارِ أَغْفَالِي يا أمة هل يقبلني سيدي على الذي قد كان من حالي واسو أتى إن ردني خائبا ربي ولم يرض بإقبالي This is what he says to his mother. He says, I, had, I have made full, firm a decision to make tawbah. And I have come while those people who, have, uh, who, give, me who give me advice have come very close to me. Meaning uh, the, the person he heard in the masjid. I've returned and the tawbah has opened up. Because you see, until now, despite the fact that he wanted to do good, he couldn't. It was just like he was stuck. So he says, the tawbah that I have decided to do has opened up the locks from every one of my limbs. I've suddenly become free. When the inspirer has inspired my heart to go and worship my Lord, then he has removed all my shackles. And I have responded to him by saying, Labbaik, I am here for you. Such a great warner and advisor who has removed me from my heedlessness. Oh, my mother, now he's very worried. Oh, my mother, will my, will my Lord forgive me? Will my Lord accept me? Based on whatever I had done of my past and what had been my state, will he accept me? How evil it will be if he, if he rejects me as a loser and my Lord does not accept my coming towards him. And then he began to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he was then so excessive in his worship that he used to make iftar after taraweeh. Please, this is makru to do. So do not, I mean, this is not something you do, right? But he was just so overtaken that he used to make... Uh, um, he, used to make, he used to make iftar after taraweeh. He never used to sleep until after the sun rose. One day, his mother went close to him with the iftar, and he refused to eat. This day, he just refused to eat. He said that, I, I, have, I have a heavy fever today, and I feel that my time is coming to an end. He was, only, he was a young man, but he said, my time is coming to an end. Then he went to his place of prayer. And he stayed there doing dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for four days on the, in that state without eating anything. His mother was really, really worried. He then faced the qibla one day and he said, Ilahi asaituka qawiyan. Oh my Lord, I have disobeyed, disobeyed you while I was strong. Wa ata'tuka da'ifan. And now I am being obedient to you while I am weak. Wa asqattuka jaladan. Wa khadimtuka nahifan. I, 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 I made you angry while I was very strong and powerful. And now that when I'm very weak and, and, uh, uh, weak and thin, that's, that, that's when I'm coming at your service. Uh, are, you, are you going to accept me? And then after that he fainted. He fainted. His mother is standing around him and saying, Ya thamarata fu'adi wa kurrata aini rudda jawabi. Oh flower of my heart. Oh Coolness of my eyes, oh gladness of my eyes, respond to me, say something to me, respond to me. 
eventually he came back to consciousness and he said, Ya Ummah, He said, Oh mother, this was the day. This was the day that you had been warning me about. This is the day that you had been frightening me from. Oh, those days that have passed in heedlessness. Oh mother, inni khaifun ala nafsi an yatula fin nari habsi. I have so much fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I'm going to have to stay a long time in the hellfire. Billahi alayka ya ummah. I swear by Allah to you, oh my mother. Kumi fadai rijlaki ala khaddi. Hatta adhuqa ta'ma dhulli la'allahu yarhamuni. Oh my mother, I swear to you, stand up and put your foot on my, put your foot on, on my cheek so that I can, I can feel some humiliation. I can feel some humiliation so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he sees that, he will have mercy on me. He will see that his mercy will come into power.